Inconceivable! You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Welcome to another edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast presented by the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy, where their president, Drew Klein, is making big news with a poll, and it doesn't involve fish. Is that right? No fish. No fish in this poll. Or dancing. <laughs> Definitely no dancing. So what kind uh, of poll? What do you got? What's the big news? All right. So Bartlett Center thought it would be fun to do our first ever public opinion poll. So we reached out to... Um, the guys over, uh, guys and, and gals over at St. Anselm College at their polling center, which is very good. And uh, we did a poll last week and found some really interesting stuff. The big headline is our right to work question. We asked voters, would you be in favor of changing the law so that employees who don't want to join a union could choose not to pay union fees? What do you think? Well, he, I was going to ask you what you think the numbers are, but I already told you what the numbers are. But if I didn't tell you, what would you well, guess? I'm stu- no, seriously, I would assume that based on previous word, it was be you know close, maybe like, like one of those 48-40 numbers one way or the other. That's mm-hmm. what I'd be thinking. Yeah, not even close. 68% in favor of a right-to-work law in New Hampshire, 22% opposed, and 10% unsure. That is huge. There's two thirds of Granite State voters say they uh, support a right to work law. So I love how you actually read the poll question. Do you have the poll question handy that you asked about voter ID? Well, that one's easy. So the the um, um, just to be clear, and that, all the stuff will be posted on our website. So anybody who wants to read our entire questions can go to jbartlett.org and read our questions. Um, but the union uh, question, the the right to work question, um, the whole question. Uh, had another sentence in front of it, just explaining that businesses can withhold union fees from the paychecks of all employees, even if they don't join a union. And then asked, would you be in favor of changing that law? So they can't do that. And so 68% were in favor. Um, The voter ID one. So we just asked the basic question. And this was not, look, we understand that New Hampshire has a voter ID law. um, But as you have correctly pointed out, you still do not have to show your, your picture ID to vote in New Hampshire. Uh, even though we have a voter ID law, uh, there are ways around that. Um, but we wanted to ask the basic, do you support a photo ID um, to vote question, just to get a sense of what people think about the, just in the big picture of voter integrity, right? Do they, do they think it's um, important that people should be able to prove who they are before getting a ballot? And that's what we were really trying to measure. And so we simply asked, should voters be required to show a photo ID before being allowed to cast a ballot in a New Hampshire election? That was the question. 76% said yes. Wow. Yeah. So I want to break these numbers down. Well, a little well, bit. well, let's, let's do that after we roll through the questions and then I want to go back oh, you want to, go to back. the, okay. I want to go back then to the, okay, uh, we have more to questions. the right, to, right to where I know. So okay. uh, the other big question. Yeah. So, and I won't read this one because it's very long. So we decided to poll on education freedom accounts because there has been some, um, shall we say, uh, less than accurate <laughs> description of education freedom accounts and uh, less than accurate polling on these lately. And so <clears throat> what we did, we understood that if you actually describe what an education freedom account is accurately, describe what the law really does versus do a shorthand um, and and misrepresent it, then people tend to be more in favor than, than opposed. So 
we basically described what the law actually does, um, creating an education savings account for families that they could use on um, education expenses only. And we asked people whether they favored that or not. We found um, total 41% in favor, 37% opposed. So more in favor than opposed, 21% were unsure. But what was interesting about this question is the language that we used was very similar to the language that UNH used several years ago in their 2018 poll on the same issue. And our results were almost identical. So when you ask the question and you say what the law actually does, people tend to be more in favor than opposed. UNH's poll this year in March did not do that. It called them vouchers, which is inaccurate. And it just said they would just you know, send public school money to private schools, which is not true, um, not accurate. And they found that um, more people said they oppose that than were in favor of it. And well, that's not surprising when you inaccurately describe the law. So accurate descriptions of education savings account produce more in favor than more opposed. That's what we found. And that's consistent with previous polling. So let's move on. Budget surplus. So tax cuts, as you know, are in uh, discussion in the legislature right now. And um, so we asked voters, given that there's a more than $240 million surplus in the state budget, and most of that was um, generated by business taxes, given that surplus, do you think the state should reduce business tax rates, raise business tax rates, or keep them the same? What we found was 58% of voters said keep them the same. 34% said reduce taxes, raise taxes was only 8%. So there is not a lot of support for raising taxes in New Hampshire on businesses. Now, the last two questions that I'm gonna give you are my two favorites in the poll, because um, I'm not aware of anybody who's asked these questions before. We wanted to know, given the record high home and rent prices that we're seeing in the last um, year, and they go up every month, if people, would be in favor of reducing some local regulations so that developers would be allowed to build more houses. So that's what we ask. Given the record high prices, do you think, would you support relaxing some local regulations to make it easier to build homes for people who need them? We found 45% in favor, 34% opposed. That is a pretty large gap. Um, not a majority in favor, because we had 22% who were unsure but um, a, a large plurality was in favor of reducing some local regulations to build homes. But we asked the same question again with rental housing. So instead of using the word homes, we use rental housing and the support was even bigger, which really surprised me. I thought we would see a big dip because supposedly apartments are controversial. Almost every community in New Hampshire actually outlaws building apartments. Um, they do it through zoning and planning. So you have to get special improvements to build apartment buildings. And we didn't say apartment buildings because uh, you can build single family rentals and right. duplexes and so forth. So we just use term rental housing. 51% were in favor of reducing local regulations so people could build more rental housing. 29% opposed and 20% unsure. So you, that's know, you could argue that that's gap. the most surprising thing in suburb NIMBY, yes. New Hampshire right there. So let's go back to the right to work issue. Okay. Because, um, as you know, it failed uh, narrowly the last time Republicans mm -hmm. had a majority and tried to get it through because a bunch of a handful of Republicans bailed at the end. They, yeah. they couldn't take it. And I think you know, one one reason has to do with pragmatic politics, which is mm -hmm. 
even though you know the union, the non-government union workforce is relatively small, yeah, because they're organized and they have money, they can have a significant impact on elections. It's kind of like uh, on social issues. You know, uh, there are, are are there a ton of people who are uh, social conservatives in New Hampshire? No, but if they're organized and they turn out, and you know, they can have a make a difference. So I think that's one reaction. But I think the other reaction is that. I think the members of the House, when they vote on Thursday, if they, as they're scheduled to, this poll is going to matter because it's a sign to them that they've got lots of people, not 51, 48. Mm-hmm. They've got lots of people, a what, three to one margin three on to, their yeah, side. Three to one margin. Yeah. And I think one of the other reasons in the past that it's failed is um, on it, it tends to fail kind of on the margins and you actually have a decent number of Republican House members who are union members. Sure. And so, you know, when it's a fairly, if, it, if it's going to be a fairly close vote um, and a certain number of, you know, as you know, in the House, um, any given day, you know, 20 or 30 people won't show up that day because we have 400 House members and they've got jobs and various things. So um, on close votes like that, you know, if you have 20 union members, um, you know, maybe they're going to vote against it. So, um, I think this is interesting for a couple of reasons. One is when you look at the partisan breakdown, 87% of Republicans support right to work, not surprising. 73% of undeclareds. That that really surprised me. Um, so you've got almost three quarters of undeclared voters say they support right to work law. But get the breakdown for Democrats. 44% oppose, but only 40, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 44% are in favor of a right to work law and only 41% oppose. That's outside of our margin of error, um, which is just over 3%, 3, uh, 3.3, 3.5. So um, it, it's pretty close, but you know, on a slight, a slight margin, Democrats actually lean in favor uh, on the whole in New Hampshire of right to work laws. We, we found that very surprising. If you do it by, and that's party registration. Exactly. When you break it down by party identification, people who just say, yeah, I, I, I vote. I'm not a registered Democrat, but I'm, I vote Democrat. Um, it's even more strongly in favor, 48% in favor, 38% oppose. Almost 50% of people who describe themselves as Democrats are in favor of right to work. That, I think that tells you a lot. I think that, like you said, um, the, the, there's a dwindling number of uh, union members. And when you look at the other breakdown of education, you might think, that um, folks with advanced degrees or college degrees would be more in favor and low um, education folks would be less in favor. It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. 72% of high school or less folks um, support right to work and 73% of people with either some college or an associate's degree. So, you know, it, it, it spans all backgrounds. In fact, the only demographic group in our poll that didn't support, that was strongly against right to work was those who self-describe as very liberal. 29% opposed it uh, or were in favor and 51%, uh, no, 54% opposed. So um, only the very liberal uh, in New Hampshire are against right to work. Literally everyone else. Now, let me ask it. you, does this seem like a shift to you from two years ago, three years ago? I didn't see I, polling a couple of years ago. So but just based I, I on your it. conversations, your, yes, you know, it, it, yeah. it does seem like a shift. It just I, seems I, like the wind has gone out of this anti-right to work movement. Why? I don't know. And I it, do. Well, I, mean, I do I, know why. I okay, know exactly I can make guesses, why. but you you say, let me have it. I'll tell you exactly why. And it's not a guess. You can thank Megan Tuttle for this. 
you can thank the teachers unions for this. Mm. The teachers unions have spent the past year taking whatever kind of leftover, you know, foggy, distant memory, you know, 1950s Americana view of unions and beating them like a gong. And a bunch of people who are just naturally uh, sympathetic towards the idea of unionization and, you know, organized labor, they just have had it and they're done. And that's how you go from 48, 41 to 68, 22 is when you lose those suburban moms and soccer moms and, and uh, you know, and other blue collar trending republic uh, trending union workers who've been fighting to get their own kids in school so they can go back to work and the uh, unfortunately even though this has nothing to do with teachers unions who were cover you know who've got their own you know uh, you know ruling from the supreme court to cover them doesn't matter the the attitude toward unionization and this this is uh, evident in national polls has gone is far softer than it was before covid started well, I think that's plausible, but I also think there are um, there's some other trending data for the last couple of years that have been very interesting on um, uh, on sort of what people want out of a job, right? So there is um, people aren't as tied to their job; they don't think of their jobs uh, in, in the same way. The, um, people think of themselves because of the sort of gig economy and everything that's grown up around that over the last decade, um, especially younger people. Um, people tend to think of themselves more as free agents than they ever used to before. The idea that you would be a part of an organization and um, and that's your identity and that you would stay there for a really long time. People just don't think that way anymore. Right. And I think that psychologically has has taken people kind of away from that union mindset. That's I think that's legit too. Listen, I, we don't want to spend too much time on this. I, I, I want to blow past kind of the uh, voting ID question because yeah, it's just not interesting. I mean, yeah. this is everybody knows it. I, I will just say that you know we had a piece, I think it was last week at New Hampshire Journal about you know how many unpopular ideas are Democrats going to embrace because they keep getting on the wrong side of these you know two to one and three to one issues, yeah. whether it's right to work or voter ID or in the case of the New Hampshire you know, abortion on demand, you know, up till the last yeah. week. I mean, that has almost no, literally 13% of Americans have the same position as uh, Senator Hassan and Senator Shaheen. Well, you could go down to the tax. I mean, if you want to skip yeah, down to the tax issue. Bingo, same thing. Um, they don't want it. They, they're, the Democrats have a hard time explaining why did you spend all of 2021 voting against cutting business taxes? Why? Yeah, so if we look at our poll, I mean, so obviously 58% said keep it the same. 34% wanted business tax reduction. Um, but only 8% said they supported tax increases. Um, if you look at the, the partisan breakdown, 12% um, of Democrats said they want to cut business taxes, and 13% of Democrats said raise business taxes. So it's a wash. 74% uh, said keep them the same. Republicans, 61% want to uh, cut taxes. That's no surprise. 0% right. want to raise them. <laughs> and 38% said keep them the same. Undeclareds were 32% reduce. 8% raise uh, and 60% keep the same. But um, when you get to the uh, the ideology, um, the somewhat liberal were 20% reduce and 8% reduce uh, for very liberal. Raise taxes, 19% um, of the very liberal, 19% mm -hmm. want to raise taxes on businesses when we have a $240 million surplus. <laughs> and 
Um, so there is not a proposal on the table. And we asked this question because we wanted to sort of see where people were on raising versus um, keeping the same versus cutting. Um, and we wanted to give them all three of those options because that just gave them to say, yeah, I think we should do this. Um, so there's no tax increase really on the table this year, but there was last year. Uh, and, and if you recall, I mean, um, arguing to raise business taxes did not go over that well in New Hampshire last year. And now we can sort of see, now granted, this is in context of the current um, budget surplus, but I suspect if you took that surplus premise out and just basically asked about what you should do with business taxes, you would find very similar results. And I don't think you'd find a strong, um, I mean, look, we're at single digits for raising taxes on yep. businesses. Mm -hmm. There's just no traction there. So why you would, build a campaign, a gubernatorial campaign, um, or a legislative campaign around raising okay. taxes on businesses. I, the, there's nothing there to support that. And, you know, we, uh, we use the uh, line that when I was in politics down south, you heard all the time, there's no education in the second kick of a mule. And you would think that Democrats would have learned something from last year when Biden won by eight and, you know, Shaheen was killing it. And yet they still lost control of both the House and the Senate, uh, you know, be in largely because of tax issues. They wouldn't pick up on that. But I want to pick up on something. Uh, I you're going to be very mad at me, Drew Klein, when uh -oh. you see the NH Journal. <laughs> this week because i think i stole a piece from you but i needed oh, it hey that's okay and uh, it's about the use of the word controversial in the media oh see and man. i just rolled through your yeah. poll your poll yeah. Yeah. because what is right to i right in the piece uh mm -hmm. you know nhpr the controversial Republican bill, you know, right yes. to work, yep. WMUR, they gathered to protest the controversial, controversial bill. bill, the yes. uh, far left uh, webs. What is it? In-depth New Hampshire, the, the mm. progressive news website, you know, right to work, controversial. Yeah. It's three to one popular. Yeah. How much more popular can you be? I mean, you're in you're in mom, apple pie, American flag territory at three to one. Same thing with taxes. There's, you know, it is not controversial to cut taxes. New Hampshire has said, if anything else, they like cutting taxes. It's just not controversial. Raising opposing tax hikes, not controversial. Uh, voter ID, every reference to the New Hampshire Republicans uh, vote uh, election law, which is fundamentally keeping it the way it was before COVID with a few tweaks like the voter ID fix is always described in some word that means fundamentally you uh, you know controversial trouble you know uh, debate you know just all you know mm -hmm. th that's very contentious and once again 70 plus percent say give me voter id well if you go back uh, to to several years ago when the the big controversy was voter id <laughs> um that was described as controversial yeah, absolutely. So, it still um, is i actually try i wrote a column on this once and um pitched it to usa today and they didn't take it because it just wasn't sexy enough, you know, but it, but it was, my column was basically, um, look, journalists should, should ban, editors should ban the word controversial Absolutely. from coverage. They should, because A, it is a judgment call. It's not, a, it's not an accurate description. Right. It is the, the, it is the writer um, placing a value judgment on this. Yep. It is not an, a, just a neutral description. Uh, so it should, it just should not be used in, in basic mm -hmm. mainstream journalism reporting, right. but it is used in constantly 
to describe anything that Republicans support uh, and anything that um, especially far left activists oppose. It's always described as controversial, no matter what the actual polling shows. And no, it's, no, just, it's you, one of those incredibly frustrating things. You're, you're absolutely right. And um, what's fascinating to me is that you will have a, uh, an issue where the people are on one side and the uh, bill to put the people's will into place with that three to one margin, yeah. that's distraught, described as controversial, yeah. not the proposal that they're addressing. And so, for example, yeah. there's overwhelming opposition to uh, critical race theory style training. And the, the question has been asked in different states in different ways, but it kind of basically boils down to if you're going to tell people that because of your skin color, you're fundamentally bad. Yeah. Americans don't want to hear that like 75 to 80%. And yet what that is not described as controversial in most right. of the news coverage, yeah. uh, particularly here dealing with HB 544, but every attempt to say, we don't want to do that training, which is what the American people apparently based on polls want. That's controversial. So controversial sure. doesn't even mean they've now turned it into the opposite of what <laughs> controversial means. Apparently controversial is how NHPR describes things that are popular. That apparently yeah. is the euphemism. As I, I think well, we yeah, have to, well, we yeah. have to, you have to turn to that great political philosopher Inigo Montoya from that the wonderful documentary, Princess Bride. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Right. And, and so, I mean, my rule of thumb is, look, if the far left opposes it, it's controversial. And if you just, if you just read the news from here on out, with that in mind, you see the word controversial, and before you even read the story, you just see that word, and you go, okay, I bet you that far-left activists oppose this. It'll be true 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and by the way, speaking of that, not to get off the poll, um, but the, the divisive concepts language. So um, it's, it's really interesting. I was reading the actual language in the, the bill in, that was put in the Senate budget, and comparing that to some of the comments about it, some of the tweets and, and all, overall commentary about what it would do. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you'd, you'd be shocked that they don't match up. That what the language actually says versus <laughs> what people say it would do. Right, exactly. Are, are not aligned. Um, and we can talk about that at, at another time probably, but, um, but the, the, the bill itself, um, you can be in favor of against it, but it, you cannot say that it would ban um, implicit bias training, right? Because it would not, mm -hmm. and it's very clear what it would ban, and it doesn't cover implicit bias training mm -hmm. unless implicit bias training says very clearly if implicit bias training were to train people that. They are inherent, and that's the word that does all the work here, inherently right. racist, sexist, or oppressive based on their membership in a group. That would mean being white or black or a woman or man, et cetera. Right. That's inherent, meaning from birth. If they are racist, sexist, or oppressive because of that, and there is no way out of that, just by virtue of membership in the group, um, if that's what you're training, then yeah, that would be banned. But if you're simply training people to recognize that they have biases that are unconscious um, and that they can overcome those, that's not covered. That's not banned. You can do totally do that.
Right. So um, that's an aside here, but I just wanted my little pet peeves. But, and, and, you should uh, actually read the bill. Now, now apply that pet peeve to education freedom accounts, which have been given the shorthand of it takes money from schools and gives right, it, right. you know, to, mm. to, uh, churches, you know, right. basically, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you must be frustrated by that. And I think that's one reason why the polling is where it is, is that yeah. there's incorrect information out there. There's a lot. I, it, it's incredibly frustrating on education freedom accounts um, to see a lot of the dishonest um, rhetoric that's being thrown about. Um, people who are, some people just genuinely don't know what's in the bill and they assume and they make, you know, accusations, but there are a lot of people who actually know what's in the bill. Who are saying things that are untrue and that's really um, disappointing um, and I and I do think that's a large reason why the numbers aren't up to 50 percent um, there have been pretty consistent polling on education savings accounts um, in in New Hampshire and nationwide that show much larger support when it's accurately described but in the middle of this sort of <clears throat> heated debate where opponents can get much more favorable news coverage to their point of view. Um, you can see how that would depress the numbers a little bit. Well, there's nothing depressing about the numbers for right to work supporters. And so I want to wrap up by asking you one question. Uh, and, uh, and I'm going to ask you to wax philosophical, well, okay, not philosophical, economical. What do you think it would mean for New Hampshire to be the only New England state with right to work laws in place? What would that pragmatically mean to businesses, to taxpayers, to people, what, 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 just what would it mean? Oh, um, that's a huge question. I think this is probably the biggest economic issue on the agenda for the legislature this session. Meaning if this bill is passed and New Hampshire becomes the only right to work state, not only in New England, but above Virginia, the only one on the Northeast, um, you would see, I don't know how quickly it would take to happen because of course companies got to move and there's logistical things going on, but, um, I think you would see a real benefit to New Hampshire's economy and in, in lots of different ways. And that's one of the most interesting things. It's not like all of a sudden, um, manufacturers are going to move to New Hampshire from Alabama. That's, that's not going to happen. And that's not what we're talking about, but in the region, suddenly New Hampshire becomes a lot more economically competitive, um, not only for employers, but employees. So this is one of those um, this is one of those issues where um, there's been some really neat academic studies in right to work laws. And I'll give you an example. MIT just uh, released a study last year on um, job satisfaction, and it was an incredibly long, complex study that um, tried to parse out every um, factor that, that, that might be influencing the day that wasn't related to right to work. So he really wanted to pinpoint right to work effect. And <clears throat> this uh, author, uh, economist at MIT, concluded that um, when you look at measures of um, self-reported job satisfaction, and then you look at questions like, um, does my boss treat me fairly? Does my boss respect me? Um, does he value my opinion? Answers like that um, went up and right to work states. Answers like, um, am I, do I think I have a, a strong economic future went up in right to work states and they went up among union members. And what they concluded was, and this is not just this study, but there've been some others that are trying to pinpoint this, um, is really fascinating. 
what they believe is that, look, in a, and this is not surprising to any of us who are free market folks, in a market where everyone has to compete for your money, you're better served. So in a closed shop where the union gets your um, fair share and agency fee, regardless of whether you join the union, the union head doesn't have as strong as an incentive as to please you, to offer right. you benefits right. and to work on your behalf in a way that actually makes you happy. Um, they can focus on making the union happy. And so what they found is in right to work states, people are more satisfied, even union members are more satisfied with the working conditions um, because everyone has a stronger incentive to make that employee happy. And so um, I just, I think in New Hampshire, in addition to the macroeconomic effects that would happen from being a right to work state and attracting a lot of employers and employment, you would have a situation where um, you would have a lot of economic growth, but in a lot, a lot of happier workers as well. So, um, being the only right-to-work state in New England would be just a huge economic advantage, a competitive advantage for New Hampshire. And over the next ten or twenty years, based on what we've seen on economic growth rates in other right-to-work states, um, it would be a game changer for the state. And and that's saying a lot because New Hampshire is already very economically competitive exactly exactly right so uh thanks for the uh sharing the poll numbers with us drew klein and i hear from my deep dark sources inside the Josiah, Bar Josiah bartlett center there may be some more numbers coming in the future can you confirm no, or deny i can neither confirm nor deny no, i'm gonna okay. have to assassinate you i'm sorry <laughs> Meanwhile, we have the New Hampshire Journal podcast here. Uh, thanks to our friends at the Josiah Bartlett Center for uh, Public Policy. And of course, you can read the great stuff at jbartlett.org. Right, Drew? That's right. Please go there and read all of our stuff. Including looking at the poll data uh, for yourself. And of course, great, get our stuff at New Hampshire Journal, nhjournal.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our daily newsletter. He's Drew Klein. I am Michael Graham. Thanks for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Thank you.